Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Good morning. Feels like a long time no see. Well, uh, good to be back together. Uh, after some snow and ice that we had last week and some cold still, thanks for coming this morning. And also, for those who are comfy at home watching, that's great to have you here too. Um, my name is Matt. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, we'd love to meet you as well. And uh, good to be really back together again. I want to um, share a couple things today. The first one, though, is this our first time back together since we lost our friend, Brad Kaufman. And so just for a moment, uh, I know that many of you were at the Celebration of Life service, um, but maybe several of you weren't able to be there. And um, Brad was uh, an amazing friend, uh, GT pastor over all of our small groups here, uh, worship leader. He was on that piano a lot right there, uh, nearly weekly, an amazing husband, father, um, Passed away after his battle with pneumonia brought on by COVID. Uh, he died January 9th. Um, it's been difficult for all of us and uh, really tough to, uh, to feel, sense, know, have the, that loss of Brad. There's a huge hole in so many places and areas and hearts, and um, he'll be missed. He is missed right now. And he'll be missed uh, for a long, long time. Uh, Brad spent his life serving the Lord, loving people, leading, of course, being a great, everything that he did. He, was, he liked uh, to do things really well. And um, there's a lot of comfort that the Holy Spirit is bringing to us. I'm so grateful as to my heart, believing that for you as well. And I certainly don't understand uh, the, that loss that we have had. I know that um, the Lord obviously knows and understands, and I think we'll grow in some understanding along the way, but maybe not all the way till we actually see him again and uh, have some questions answered here. You know, I've had the privilege in my life of seeing many, many, many dozens and probably hundreds of people get healed in my life. Um, lots of God interventions experiences with God, things you cannot explain that are just supernatural. Uh, throughout my life, and uh, especially over the last 30 years, I would say, and I've also seen people um, get healed, and then some that don't, and many that don't, and I have a lot of questions as to why. I don't have those, I don't have those answers. What I do know is God is amazingly good, and he does heal, and he has done that many times, and he will again, and that it's important, you know, um, that we stay in faith and stay close to the Lord and keep pursuing him and not back off because of this. Uh, when there's a loss, the enemy tries to take advantage of those, oftentimes with wedges, to cause a wedge between us and the Father, between us and Jesus, to try and get us to back off and back away from faith and belief and uh, tries to get us offended and bitter and angry, angry at God, angry at people. I've been there, 
And um, it's important that if we feel those type of things, that we take them to the Lord and ask him to forgive us, to not let those things land, stay, or grow on the inside. We cannot afford, none of us, to be distant from the Lord, for our faith to shrink. In fact, it says in Hebrews that um, it's important that we don't shrink back in faith, but that we continue, no matter what happens, to grow in faith. And I, I, I can't imagine an environment better than the one that we have here, and what I'm speaking is of all of you, during this difficulty with, with Brad and, uh, and then losing him, your faith, your love, your compassion, your prayer night, um, your taking meals over there and having just hope and faith and love has been amazing to watch. And I just wanna thank you for stepping up, stepping in and loving large and, and being really the body of Christ in such a beautiful, beautiful way. All of it counts, and it means a lot, and I really, really appreciate that. Um, I'm reminded in the middle of difficulty like this um, of Job, and I, this, I want to read this real short verse, who, which you all know, I'm sure as well. It's Job 13, 15. It says, though, this is Job in the midst of a lot of torment, um, difficulty, he says, though he, God, slay me, I will hope in him. Nevertheless, I will argue my ways before him. It's like the mix of all of this. I'm suffering. I don't understand this. Yet I'm going to trust him and hope in him. And then I'm also going to argue. What is going on, Lord? I don't understand this. Why is this happening? All those together. And that life is similar to our lives in some ways, in things like this. It's okay to, I think, still have some arguments with the Lord on this and wrangle. He's not afraid of anything. He already knows whatever you're thinking anyway. Everything's going on on the, on the heart, on the inside. And I'm having some of those with the Lord, honestly. And he's, he's given me a dream and another experience to help me understand a little bit. But um, it's, it's pretty normal. Psalm 2713, King David said this, I remain confident of this. Now, David, of course, he was chased around by Saul for 10 years, hiding in caves and um, had a lot of people die around him. He said, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we will too. We will continue to see the goodness of the Lord around us, even in the midst of things we don't understand. And I think it's also good to remind ourselves, to remind yourself, I'm doing this, of all the amazing things Jesus has done. From your salvation, to what he did on the cross, to the experiences you've had with him, the hundreds and thousands of moments of revelation with him, of the healings that we've seen, of the change in people's lives, of the restoration of marriages and people's lives. I mean, it's good to remind ourselves of all of those things and not let the things we don't understand cause those wedges. So let's do that. Let's remind ourselves of all of the goodness of God. All right, let me just give you a couple, I'm gonna try and transition here. Uh, a couple of quick things just building related. I haven't talked about that for a little while here. So we were hoping 
uh, to be started January 1st on moving forward on building UpFit so we could get going and get out of here by the summer. And we've had some delays, a uh, couple of things, uh, not just one, but um, there's something that we have to have, which is called a floodplain permit. If you don't have the, it's, the buildings in a floodplain. So there's a special permit that you have to get that has several elements of it in your application. Um, you have to hire special engineers, you have to get all these special reports, and you submit this whole package, which we did, and we're, we were thinking we would have that by the end of last year, and it was just approved this last week. So thank you, Lord. It's, and we've been praying for this for months. <laughs> so thank you, God, for that. It has been approved, but we're several weeks behind. The second uh, thing, uh, this is a big one too, is the loan. So um, the loan was also supposed to be closed before the end of last year, and it um, still isn't closed. So everything is in good shape. They're saying it's just kind of a delay in getting it just done. There's a lot of activity right now. A lot of people are trying to get loans before interest rates start to rise. And so there's a, there, there's a lot going on. So anyway, that is supposed to happen in the next 10 days. I've been promised that we will have that loan, then we can start. But that gets us about a month behind um, our initial plan to start. So that's just where we are. Trust in the Lord. Uh, he knows what we need. They weren't able to give us um, as much as they first thought they would in the loan, so we're about 300000 short on just the loan part. So um, as Beth said too, if you have extra, we'd still like to have some for that building fund. That would be great. And the, the Lord, he's just been so good and faithful all along the way. And we're fully believing all that we need will come in. But if, you know, as you pray about it, as the Lord puts it on your heart, um, feel free to give and we'll, uh, we'll use it toward that. So there we are on that. And thank you, God, for that building permit and the loan that's about to close. All right, so I want to transition again and uh, talk about something that I hope to do this over the next couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, we'll see uh, how much I get through today. But I want to talk about the kingdom of heaven. And so, Father, we just ask that you would help explain this by your spirit to us and help us and stir us and bring understanding. And Lord, I pray that... Um, the things that you love and think about and want us to love and think about would be planted in our hearts and our minds and our spirit and that we would have the same type of loves that you have and ask that you'd stir this within us and help us, Holy Spirit, to understand this dynamic, powerful, wonderful, remarkable kingdom that you described in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so back in the mid-80s, I was 16 years old, had my driver's license, had an old pickup truck, and um, my brother obtained a bunch of chickens that he asked he was working and asked me to go pick them up. So I took my two other siblings, I'm the oldest, my two younger siblings, one was eight, one was 12. And we went early one morning to a farm out in the, out in the country. We lived in the country already, to another part of the country, and um, to pick up chickens. Now, I knew nothing about chickens, and, which is a problem in this case. <laughs> so we went, went in the middle of the day. For those who are farmers and have chickens, you're going to understand all my error in this. And I had a big um, kind of a crate with a 
wire over it, um, kind of a fence to keep them in. And my plan was to uh, grab chickens, throw them under this box that was on the back of my pickup truck, and then bring them home. So um, we went out there with an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old, on two acres of chickens wide open everywhere. So chickens are fast. If you've ever chased a chicken around, they're faster than you think, especially on two acres. So we started, you know, running, 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 running. We didn't bring any water. It was the middle of summer. Hot. We're catching chickens, throw them in this thing. And it's a lot of work. And we spent a couple hours. Then there was this one, I wasn't going to tell you this, but there was another little cage with little chickens, you know, flying around inside this big cage. So we thought, well, we're supposed to take those too. So we tried to get in there and capture these little characters. We put them inside too. Um, I mean, that was a disaster. Anyway, finally got all these chickens and we start heading home and um, they're dying. It's hot. We've been chasing them and they just start dying. And so we get halfway across the valley. Again, it's, it's dry, hot. You know, by the time we, you know, by this time it's probably 90 and uh, I'm just seeing chickens die. So I pulled the truck over, and my truck had a, some issues. One of the issues was that when it was hot, if you turned it off, you couldn't start it again. So um, me and one of my siblings, went in the, I stopped the vehicle to throw the dead chickens in the ditch. And I said to my youngest sibling, who's staying in the truck, whatever you do, whatever you do, do not turn the truck off. We go in the back, we're throwing dead chickens in the ditch. And I hear the truck go off. Why? I have no idea. But in my young sibling's mind, that was the best thing to do at this moment. And that the story goes on. I'm going to tell you all the rest of the story. Other than I'll say this, we did finally survive. We had heat stroke. We got all the chickens home. And the little chickens weren't chickens, we found out later, because we didn't have a roof on our chicken coop. We put everything in, and they all disappeared instantly. They were pheasants. <laughs> so we lost all of those instantly, and the other chickens basically got eaten by coyotes. But it was, it, and that was, a, I didn't mean to tell you all that, but the main thing, I learned a lot that day. But... So many times, kind of like my youngest sibling, in life for all of us, when we're told what we should do, we override that with what we think should happen. <laughs> right? And that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem as a child. That's a problem as an adult. That's a problem as a son or daughter of God. If the Lord, and he does, has a plan, has his will, has his purposes, and we override what he wants us to do with what we think is best. You know, there are a lot of people who uh, live lives according to their own ideas of how life should be lived. And even some Christians, they, they will do that too. Yeah, the Bible says that, but you know, those are suggestions. You know, that type of a thing. Or God's not that serious about this. Certainly, he would be okay with this. You know, we can kind of just override what the Lord says. So we don't want to do that. And every parent knows this as well. If you 
uh, leave the house and you leave a list of things for your kids to do, I'd like you to do the dishes and clean the kitchen, you know, put the, this away and that, you know, clean up the room. You come home and nothing's done. They overrode what, you, you know how frustrating that is. How frustrated must God be in one sense? He's probably not frustrated at all, but I don't think he's a frustrated being. But sometimes he gets upset, that's for sure. And certainly it would be sad to have this plan and we don't listen. So we, we don't want to do that. So we don't want to do the, the opposite, right? I know that's in your heart. You wouldn't be here if uh, you wanted to do your own thing. You want to do the Lord's thing. So what, did, what does he ask? Several things. One of them, and chiefly, I would say, to love the Lord with all that we are and to love our neighbor just as much as we love ourselves, right? There's the first two things right off the bat. Let's love God with all that I have and let's love people as much as I love myself. Those two things, we just work on those things, the world changes. But then he also said some other things, and one of them I want to highlight. Everyone knows this passage. It's Matthew 6, 33. Seek first, this is Jesus speaking, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things, which he was just talking about, Peter asking about food and clothing and natural things, anything natural, all those things will be given to you if we will seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom. So he's introducing some words and concepts that are different, unusual. This stuff hasn't been talked about before, but he's saying, seek it above everything else. And if you will, all the other things that you need, that you want, that are necessary, they're gonna happen. They'll look like they, they will follow you. Those things will take place if we do it the way he wants us to do it. If we do it his way instead of my way. And sometimes we get all this turned around. We are seeking all the other things and then hoping that we're fulfilling the will of God or hoping good things happen. And he said, no, flip this around. Seek my kingdom. Seek it. Pursue it. Go after it. Chase after it. In fact, that's what in the the Passion Translation says, so above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom. I like that wording. Constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. And then all these things will be added to you that you want, that you need. That's a good one to write down. Constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom. So then the kingdom of heaven is to be our pursuit. This is what Jesus says. This is like me saying to my sibling, don't turn the truck off. Jesus is saying, chase after the kingdom of heaven. I'm asking you, don't just live life. I want you to chase after something. There's this mystery related to the kingdom of heaven of what it is, what it's like. And so you find and discover the answers to mysteries by Pursuing, by seeking, by finding, by discovering. And that's what we are all supposed to do. It's amazing the things that God does that he doesn't provide every single detail to, right? You see that throughout the scripture. You see it throughout your life. God leads you to one place. He doesn't give you all the details. You discover it along the way. He says to uh, those following him, if you want to be any part of me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. He doesn't at that moment give any other explanation. 
That's why many people left. It, it was offensive. Like, what are you talking about? We're supposed to be cannibals? They asked him further, and he said, no, 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 what I'm speaking of is, is not fleshy. It's the spirit. The words I speak are spirit and they're life. But you have to seek. You have to push beyond just the kind of the external or the first level. It's like you go deeper. And that's what that pursuit is. That's what that seeking is. And that's what the Lord has said for us to do related to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, interchangeable, same thing. And I think this kingdom of heaven is the most misunderstood thing in the scriptures. The father's very misunderstood too. But the kingdom of heaven is really misunderstood. Usually when I say it, or you say it, or anyone says it, the, di the different things that pop in people's minds, they're varied. One of them might be if you've had, maybe you've uh, been a Jehovah's Witness, they have, the, they have the kingdom hall, that's their meeting spot. So if you've had anything along those lines, maybe you think of kingdom, that's what you think of. Or some people think it's the church. You know, it's different than the church. The kingdom of heaven is not the church. The church is in the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven is inside the church. But it's, they're not the same thing. We'll talk some more about that a little bit later. Or just a religious word, or just heaven. There's, so we're going to kind of explore some of these together. But there is power, and there is profound, robust qualities of the kingdom of heaven that we need to discover, that we want to pursue and understand and find out what Jesus is talking about and discover this thing that God wants us to not only pursue, but to be dispensers of. This kingdom, it is spectacular. It is profound. It's supposed to be one of the greatest searches of our lifetime. More than discovering you know, different things that I want and like or learning about certain things, I want to have the, king, the kingdom pursuit branded on me on the inside where I'm continuing to pursue the kingdom. And the Lord reminds me of it often because I see on the clock so many times, 633. Whenever I see 633, I think of Matthew 633, seek first, thinking, it's like the Lord reminds me. And he did, I see it at times usually when I'm straying a little bit or when I'm concerned about other things. That's usually that time. It's just like the scripture there. When I'm concerned about other things, I'll see the 633, and it's like, ah, yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me make an adjustment and pursue your kingdom again. The kingdom of heaven is invisible, but it's jam-packed. It's jam-packed. It's spectacular. It's more relevant than anything else on the earth. The kingdom of heaven. If we have revelation about it, if we have some understanding about it, and if we grasp it, it will be a joy and it will be something that you think about, pray about, get excited about. In fact, there's a place, I believe, for all of us where even just mentioning the kingdom of heaven causes this excitement and like a fluttering on the inside. Oh, yeah, that. That thing, that thing that Jesus talked about, that thing I'm pursuing, that thing that is here, actually. We're, we're not supposed to only live here. The kingdom of heaven is this in, invisible kingdom that we are in that is in us. It's pretty amazing. 
And there's a lot to it. When the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? It's interesting, the two things that he mentioned right off the bat. They're the two things that he talked about more than anything else while he was here. You know what they are? The Father, mentioned over a hundred times, he explains who the Father is and he uses the name Father rather than all the other names of God. He's trying to help us understand God is our Father. And then he talks about the kingdom of heaven another hundred times, more than anything else. He's constantly giving parables and trying to help us understand what this is, including encouraging us to seek it. But you know the prayer, Matthew 6 Verse nine, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Right off the bat, first request. Pray this way, he's saying, that your kingdom would come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will take place. And then we're gonna talk some more next week about what he said to his disciples about the gospel because it's really the gospel of the kingdom. It's not just the gospel. Everything is about the kingdom. Pretty amazing. And Jesus is the kingdom in human form. He's the representative. He's the king of it. And he's saying, pray it here. Ask for it here. Seek it here as well. Okay, I want to explain a little bit. I want to go back in time a little bit uh, before Jesus to bring a little bit of context to this. Just like everything that we, when we read the scriptures, it's so important to see the context of it. What are the verses ahead of it? What, who are the people he's talking to so that we don't misuse, which happens oftentimes um, in the world. We don't want to do that. So I want to give a little bit of context to Jesus even talking about the kingdom and uh, so I'll go way back and then fast forward a little bit here. After creating Adam and Eve, God gave them a purpose, right? Right off the bat. Be fruitful and multiply and then take dominion over the earth. Rule it. So God was saying right off the bat, his intention, his plan was to have his own kids that he created to have dominion over the earth and he with them. So basically God lived in the garden with them because they were walking around I'm not sure you know, how, what that looked like exactly. No one knows. But God was gonna do this with his kids. And of course, that plan crashed and burned, right? Everything went away because of sin and their choosing the enemy's voice over God's voice. And so that plan, God's initial plan, his original plan changed. Just like our plans change a lot. God's plan had to change because of the sin of mankind. And so he couldn't do it the way that he had planned, had hoped to. But he still wanted that expression of his kingdom and his plan on the earth to take place, but it had to happen in a different way, in a new way. In fact, he had to do it himself because he entrusted it to mankind and wanted to work together with us on that initially. That didn't work. God changed in the, not that he changes himself, but he changed his um, strategy because of our sin and to come himself as the kingdom 
and then to live on the inside of us and then bring the kingdom through us by his spirit. Pretty amazing. But the setup for that is interesting, how God did this. And I think this is important as we understand it and move forward. And that is, we needed to understand a little bit more about what kingdom is like to even the mindset of the Israelis, of the Hebrew people, at the time of Jesus had to be, I think, at a certain place to understand kingdom to some degree for Jesus to come in and bring his variety, his kind. And so you see from the fall of Adam and Eve all the way to Jesus, a lot of mankind, man-made ways of trying to take dominion and do in a counterfeit way what God had intended. And when I say that, I mean, you've got the Egyptian empire, you've got the Persian empire, you've got the Greek empire with Alexander the Great conquering huge swaths of land and millions and millions of people subjugated, um, being enslaved. You've got counterfeit kingdom, just the man variety, the kind that man does. It's not good when man without God tries to have dominion. And we saw that throughout history, where really basically a third of the world was enslaved by the time of Jesus. Slavery went on and on. It was men driven by the wrong things, taking dominion. And then we see, right before Jesus comes, a new empire arises after the Greeks. And it's the Roman Empire, right? And then 30 years before the birth of Jesus, this Roman Empire shifts from a republic to one ruled by a dictator, Caesar Augustus. And this empire is spreading with a lust for power, domination, and greed. So you see, the, like the worst of mankind really growing and, and having dominion in a bad way over a large group of people. And they are driven by three things. The desire, the lust for really food, money, and slaves. Those three things. That was the driving force of the Roman Empire for those three things. And so that is the atmosphere and that's the kingdom that exists at the time that Jesus is sent to the earth. An evil empire, an evil kingdom ruling. One taking, enslaving, and being cruel. Um, do that first slide here, you'll see just a little bit of how big the Roman Empire was at this time. There are only 200 million people on the earth, it's estimated, at the time of Jesus. You know, we've got over 7 billion now. There are 200 million at the time of Jesus. Not a huge part or a huge population, but the Roman Empire was over 70 million people at this time. That's a, that's a good-sized chunk. And in Italy the seat of the Roman Empire, a third of the citizens of Italy were slaves. So you've got a lot of slavery as the Roman Empire is spread all, and of course, Israel is included in the Roman Empire at this time when Jesus comes in. It was ruled by brutality. And you can add that second slide. This is, you'll, from history, know the battle with Spartacus with a bunch of slaves that escaped. He had 90,000 slaves following him. He's going up through Italy and winning some, and then he gets defeated. And they take 6,000 of the slaves that were defeated, and they crucified them along the 
a pean robed. 6,000 crucifixions. This is just before the time of Jesus. They were cruel, brutal. I mean, the word excruciating came from the word crucifixion. And they did this to tens of thousands of people, crucifying them. We're talking about a brutal group. So this is, again, the kingdom, the atmosphere that Jesus is inserted into and born into. The creator of everything, which everything was made by him, the second person of the Trinity, comes to the earth, sent by the Father with, on a fatal mission, and he shed dozens of, at least a dozen anyway, of um, dimensions to come as a baby from being all powerful to do anything at any time and be anywhere at any time and know everything at all times. He puts himself in the form of a baby to become a man to redeem mankind. It's incredible what Jesus did. We'll talk a lot more about that later. And he entered this false anti-kingdom of God which lusted for things, and Jesus is the opposite. He came to bring life and to bring life abundantly and to give the exact opposite of the kingdom that he came into. John the Baptist, when he was preaching along the Jordan River, people coming to him, here's what he said loudly. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is before Jesus appeared. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means it's close by. You can almost touch it. Here it comes. People are scratching their heads. What are you talking about? We're under the Roman Empire. What is this kingdom of heaven that is about to happen? That's almost here. And again, the kingdom of heaven fueled by the exact opposite. It's fueled by love rather than lust. There's cleansing that's a part of it. There's forgiveness that's a part of it. There's healing that's a part of it. There's power that's a part of it. There's change on the inside that then goes to the outside. And Jesus is the king of this kingdom that he represents. And he is wanting to give this kingdom away. And he's wanting us to give this kingdom away. If we can understand it. So what is it that John prophesied, that Jesus represented and brought, and we are asked to seek First, it's difficult to understand. There are a lot of things I don't. This is a heavenly thing. This is something that is otherworldly that Jesus brought, yet he said, seek it. I'll explain some of this to you. I'll help you understand. I'll help you give it away. But let me first talk about some things that's not. It's not the church, and I have confused the two often. The church is being built, expanded. The kingdom of heaven is like fully mature, but it is already here and it grows on its own as we love one another and as we do what Jesus asks us to do, it, it spreads. And again, the church is within the kingdom. The kingdom is bigger than the church. Luke eleven twenty, Jesus said this, if I cast out a demon by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus is saying, when I cast out a demon out of someone, the kingdom of heaven, that's a demonstration of it right there. And it's come upon you. I remember being in a church service in Sri Lanka, uh, concrete floor, metal chairs. And during our worship, we're raising hands, we're praising God. And all of a sudden I heard metal chairs clanging. 
and I, it, it interrupted, the, um, interrupted the worship. I turn around, and there's a guy throwing metal chairs. So myself and the pastor and a few others surrounded this guy, tried to kind of get a hold of him, noticed that he, he was demonized. You could see in his eyes. And the enemy, the devil cannot stand the, this presence of God, and he starts freaking out inside this guy. And he's got all these bracelets on his wrist, which were basically contracts with demonic powers that he had agreed to. So we removed those, and then we started speaking and proclaiming the kingdom of heaven and breaking the power of the enemy and kicking the demon out of this guy. And in a few moments, of course, the worship had shut down. In a few moments, this guy went limp as the demons or demons were cast out. And he sat up, and we sat him on one of the chairs he'd thrown around, and his eyes were clear, and a smile appears on his face, and peace fills his body. And he gets led to the Lord and the whole room atmosphere is alive with the kingdom of heaven. He says, I'm talking about it now. It's like I can feel it. The kingdom of heaven invaded that man and that space and exchanged what the enemy occupied for what Jesus gives. Beautiful, amazing. Jesus says when a demon gets kicked out of someone, that's, uh, that's just a little bit of the kingdom of heaven arriving. That's what this is. This is like it is in heaven coming right here, right now. As we step out and move in the things that Jesus has given us to do, the kingdom of heaven displaces where the enemy has resided. That's part of what we're here for, by the way. We'll talk a lot more about this next week. But that was a beautiful experience for me. The kingdom of heaven is not a system I'm thankful. A lot of things are systems in this world. The kingdom of heaven is not a system. It's alive. It's not something only found in the future. It's not just in the future. It's in the past, it's right now, and it is in the future. It'll be fully mature and completed, I would say, in the future when Jesus returns. Then the kingdom of heaven will, well, it says in Revelation, the kingdoms of this earth will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he will rule forever. So it will be completed when Jesus returns. So right now, we're watching the kingdom of heaven in small pieces and parts getting moved around and growing throughout the earth until Jesus comes and then everything. It's not earned. Though we seek it, it's not earned. It's given freely. It's not visible to the human eye. It's the most desirable thing to the heart the kingdom of God, when the presence of God with his kingdom comes, there's nothing like it. It's a beautiful thing, and it's very close. Where is it? Here's what Jesus says. Nor will people say, look, there it is, or see, there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you, in your hearts and among you, surrounding you. So it's inside of you and it's surrounding you. I want to live in a way where I'm conscious and aware of the kingdom of heaven. That's one of the seeking elements of this is that we become aware of the kingdom of heaven in our daily lives. We become aware that we are carriers of this kingdom. 
Become aware that it is not only in me, but it's around me, but it's in me too. And that I can give this away as well. Another thing it says is that it's at hand. It's just right close by. And it's still coming, it's fullness. All right, that's enough for this week. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, thank you for just even talking about, illuminating, and bringing the kingdom of heaven. Lord, this is like um, a new language that we've yet to learn, a new country we've yet to explore. And I ask for all of us, Lord, that you would help us, that you'd lead us, Holy Spirit, to discover your kingdom and that we would recognize what you desire and your will in us, that we would not be turning the truck off, that we would be saying yes to you now and forever, that we would seek and pursue what you want us to seek and pursue, and that we would be those who partner with you to do what you wanted from the very beginning. For your kingdom to come, for your will to be done on the earth. I ask for every heart, every mind, to be stirred up as we pursue you. And we just even say again, Lord, to you, if we've maybe not said it in a while, we choose to agree with your invitation to seek first your kingdom. So Lord, we put the natural things aside and we say, we seek first your kingdom above all other else, all other things, everything else. Lord, let our hearts be aligned with what you want us to pursue and not what we think is best. Lord, I wanna say thank you for your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing it. And thank you for explaining this to us and helping us discover and dispense what you left here, what you brought and you left behind, and your spirit grows on the inside of us. Lord, help us um, to not only understand, but, but to believe and to hope, and I thank you, God, for every one of these people, for what you are intending for them and their life and their purpose, for the other lives, the thousands of lives that they will touch, that they will help. I wanna say thank you ahead of time. Lord, keep us in your spirit, filled with your spirit, on the foundation of your love every day, in your wonderful, powerful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.